Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Ambitious Podcast. My name is Dylan Price, and on today's episode, we have NFL agent Justin Van Fulpen. Justin, how are you doing today? Good. How's it going, man? Very good. So, I'm going to dive right into the questions. Who are some of the guys you represent as an NFL agent? Well, a couple of guys. Um, Jeff Heath, starting safety of the Dallas Cowboys. Javier Thomas, a corner with the uh, Cleveland Browns. Um, uh, Garrett Griffin, the tight end with the New Orleans Saints. He's actually the tight end that caught the touchdown pass. First touchdown pass in the NFC Championship game. Those are some of the uh, guys uh, that, I, that are in the NFL that I represent. Very cool. Um, what is the process of finding clients like? Do you reach out to them or do you uh, recruit them or do they come to you? Yeah, I mean, most of the time you're you're recruiting guys and you know, obviously you're talking with scouts. You're doing your own evaluation to see, okay, hey, who's going to get an opportunity to play in the NFL? Uh, you might get some referrals from uh, you know current clients that you have in the NFL that had teammates there or – you know, you might have some guys that, you know, kind of reach out, you know, to you. Um, but for the most part, you're, you know, kind of going after guys, um, you know, and reaching out to guys, uh, you know, and trying to recruit them. Uh, but you will get, you know, some guys that, that reach out to you, again, through, uh, you know, clients that were teammates, uh, coaches you might know that, you know, say, hey, these guys need help. Or, you know, uh, guys that might hit you up on, you know, Instagram or email you, call you, you know, directly that are looking for, for agents there um, at the end of the day. Very cool. Um, into the NFL draft process, with the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Game in the rearview mirror, take myself and the listeners through what the NFL Combine and Pro Days are like for the execs, athletes, coaches, and agents. Well, really, I mean, the, the NFL Combine, you know, and kind of how it started and why it's in Indianapolis is, is in the in the area, uh, the, Indianapolis has the most MRI machines kind of in a, a square footage area there, um, you know. And really, the, the combine is, it was set up on a standpoint as a medical thing, medical and being able to try to get guys. That's that's really, you know, the, the main thing. You know, it's, it's not necessarily the Underwear Olympics, what the NFL Network shows on the 40-yard dash and et cetera. And those things are important. They do need to get those, you know, tested and timed and, and you know, kind of check off the boxes there. But the most important thing is we're talking about medical. We're talking about past injuries, whether they were in college or in high school, you know, whenever they were. I mean, you saw Jay Ajayi a couple of years ago with a guy who thought, you know, they were going to be a, a late one, early second round pick. But he had an injury as a true freshman four years you know, prior to him you know, being at the NFL Combine. It said, okay, hey, his knee doesn't have a lot of cartilage on it. So, hey, are we going to be able to get a second contract out of this guy? And that's, again, why one reason why he dropped. Same thing with um, the interview process. We're talking about off-the-field issues. Uh, we're talking about domestic violence, uh, drug, uh, you know, or failed drug tests, you know, et cetera there. Uh, and those are, you know, the big things there. And then it's, you know, it's the, the combine, the 40-yard dash, the, the L drill, the, the three-cone shuttle, um, the short shuttle, vertical broad jump, you know, and the, you know, field drills there. And, and then one thing that the NFL Combine does, it's kind of the really the unofficial kickoff for free agency there. Uh, and what, you know, the agents are doing is obviously all 32 NFL teams are down there, the GMs, uh, the scouts, the coaches, et cetera there. So uh, in Indianapolis, you know, whether it's at a hotel uh, lobby bar or at uh, a steakhouse, um, et cetera there, you know, you're talking about not only your clients that are on that team's roster, what, you know, kind of what they envision them doing, how, how they're going to, you know, 
use them uh, in the next season, but also guys that maybe are free agents as well as, you know, your draft picks there. So you're, you know, you're kind of, you're working there and a lot of the kind of the free agent deals that you'll see, you know, a couple weeks later, you'll get announced that kind of that framework, you know, has kind of at least, you know, okay, hey, Team X is interested, Team Y isn't. Um, you know, you can kind of be able to start to put the, the pieces of the puzzle uh, as a, you know, kind of to be able to kind of navigate your clients and his free agent, um, you know, an interest level, kind of what the money would turn out to be, the terms of kind of, hey, is it going to be a one-year deal or is it going to be a four-year deal? What type of, you know, deals we're, you know, looking at there. Uh, so for the agents uh, and, and, you know, the free agents, uh, the teams, you know, the, the NFL Combine is very important because, again, not, it's not only just about the rookies and about the draft class, but it's about, you know, kind of that, that whole NFL process, and it kind of just kicks off the next season there. Huh. Um, so now, continuing with that, um, you said a lot about the drills, and they're not as big as, like, the MRI tests and the interviews and that stuff. What do you think, in your opinion, is more important for an NFL prospect to ace, the drills at these showcases or the interviews? Well, I mean, you know, it depends really what where that prospect, you know, is. If the guy has, you know, off-the-field issues, you know, um, had, you know, failed drug tests, had, you know, some, some different, you know, problems there, then the interviews become a bigger, you know, problem or bigger, you know, thing you want to ace there. If, it's, if you're a guy that's clean, you know, off-the-field, you're going to interview well, and, you know, you don't have anything that's in the past there. But then again, obviously, then the drills become, you know, more, you know, more important, um, you know, there. But, you know, again, they, they're all, it's hand in hand. I mean, 80% of NFL draft, you know, grade is based on film. The other 10% is based on those athletic numbers. The other 10% is based on, okay, football IQ interviewing, you know, off the field issues there. But like we see in this year's combine, we see two guys that, you know, are draftable prospects that aren't going you know, to the NFL Combine because of, you know, past domestic, you know, incidents there. The receiver out of Colorado, you know, State, Preston Williams, and the defensive lineman out of Mississippi State, um, Jonathan Simmons, you know, guys that, hey, you know, the, the, you know, the defensive tackle, he's a guy who could be a top five pick, top ten pick. Uh, you know, Preston Williams, the receiver, is probably a, you know, top, you know, three round, top 150, you know, prospect there. But those guys won't be there, you know, because of the off-the-field issues. We saw in the past, Joe Mixon, you know, there's so so that's, you know, where, you know, hey, you can really hurt your stock with those, you know, kind of off-the-field, you know, issues there. Huh. Where do you feel, because you've been to the Senior Ball, the Shrine Game, the Combine, all this stuff, where do you feel is the best place for the players to break out and show that they are worth taking a look at if they're from, like, a smaller school? Well, yeah, I mean, I was the director of player personnel for the Texas First Nation game, you know, for a number of years. We had 150 guys draft and 500 guys sign NFL contracts. You know, so really those all-star games are huge things for the small school guys. We had a guy, Jared Valdez, who was from Hillsdale D2 school uh, that helped his stock, you know, raised his stock there. We saw a couple of years ago uh, at the Senior Bowl, uh, Eric Fisher from Central Michigan, obviously not a Power 5 conference um, there at, in the MAC. But he was a guy who was a late one, probably an early two. He was able to help himself at the Senior Bowl show, okay, hey, he can play at that top level of competition and rolls all himself all the way up to the number one overall pick in the draft, you know, that year. So the all-star games, if you're a lower-level competition guy and you go to a senior, the Senior Bowl, the East West Shrine game, and show, okay, hey, I can play with these guys. Because, again, that's when the scouts are on the road and they're going to a D2 or a 
you know, a, a lower level Division One program, they're saying, okay, hey, can this guy play against the level of SEC competition, Big Ten competition, et cetera? There. So when you're able to then, you know, compare apples to apples, when we see a SEC uh, receiver and he's covered by, you know, that Washburn corner, you know, that was there at the Senior Bowl. Okay, now we can see. Okay, okay, yeah, this guy can play. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the football, you know, skills there to be able to kind of match up there. So that really helps those guys. But then on the flip side, if you're a guy who's a, a D2 prospect, a, a lower level one, you know, Division One guy, you know, and really people think about you because you dominate that level of competition and go to one of these all-star games and you don't perform as well, then they say, okay, well, he was just dominating that level of competition. He's not as good as we thought he was. So, again, those all-star games are, are you know, probably even more important than the NFL Combine, especially when it comes to guys who can participate in those. Obviously, the underclassmen cannot participate, you know, in the all-star games for, you know, seniors, guys who's graduated or, you know, are considered a senior prospect uh, there. Um, you know, so the, the Combine's kind of the first time that really the NFL can kind of really, you know, get into deep details with the other classmen. But as far as the senior prospect, those all-star games can really kind of really rise your stock even more than the NFL Combine. Huh. So you've attended the showcases and you've seen this year's draft prospects up close and through film. Who are some of the guys you think are going to do really well in the pros and that you're really excited about? You know, I think a guy who people might not be talking about a lot is, you know, Josh Allen, the, you know, Kentucky, um, you know, outside linebacker. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, came back for his senior season, you know, could have came out last year, but really balked up, got stronger, you know, had, a, you know, double digit, you know, sacks there. And he's a guy who could potentially go number one overall. You know, when in last year people were talking about maybe he's a late one, probably an early two. He's really helped himself up there. And we, this year's draft class is really about the defense, whether it's Josh Allen, uh, Dick Bosa, Quentin Williams, um, you know, really that defensive line, you know, the Clemson guys that are all there. But, you know, that's really, you know, what the focus of this year's draft class is. Yeah, I mean, people are going to talk about Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins of a quarterback standpoint, but you know, even if you threw in Haskins and Murray into last year, so those guys wouldn't, you know, would have beat out Baker Mayfield or a, a Josh Rosen or, you know, Sam Darnold, et cetera, there. So those guys aren't to the level of what we saw last year, and they're not to the level of what we'll see next year with uh, Tua Balola and, you know, uh, Jake Farm. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert, et cetera, there. Those guys are, are probably better prospects than, than this year's quarterback standpoint. So we'll, we'll see Haskins and Murray kind of get elevated just because they're the two best quarterback prospects in this year's draft class. But as a, you know, over a three year period, if you kind of match those guys up, they're, you know, they would be on a, a lower tier there. But again, I think that defensive line, I think Josh Allen's the guy who could be a Cleo Mack. Uh, a Von Miller, you know, guy, and again, guy who, you know, wasn't a ton of people talking about coming into this season, again, because he, was, he wasn't he was an underclassman, he was a senior, who, again, who could have declared last year, and he's a guy who I think could, could really be a freak athlete at the NFL Combine and test real well and, you know, really project himself being one of those, you know, top three picks, uh, you know, this coming, coming April. That's something I'm real excited about. I'm a Jets fan. I'm hoping he slips to three. Um, so shifting gears a little, a lot of rumors come out this time of year about draft prospects. How often are these like smoke and mirrors by agents trying to raise the value of a prospect or even in the free agent atmosphere, atmosphere, sorry, 
Um, how do you raise a player's value by maybe spreading out some rumors, or does this is this more from insiders? Well, no. I mean, I think you know the, the, you've got to use all the tools you got in your tool bag, and the media is one of those. You know, you, one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to give a media member misinformation. You don't want to lie to them or you try to you know you know try to trick them in any way. But what you do maybe want to do is sometimes you want to get that information out there and sometimes you want to kind of hold it back, you know, depending on, on if it helps, you know, or hurts your client. I'll give you an example. Uh, four years ago, I represented Trevor Simeon, the quarterback out of Northwestern, who was a, the seventh overall pick or seventh quarterback draft in that year's uh, class there. And one thing I was able to do uh, as far as using the media to, to my advantage was in regards to getting to Ian Rappaport and saying, hey, and, um, you know, the Cleveland Browns brought in Trevor, you know, for a top 30 visit. The Denver Broncos, you know, brought him in for a top 30 visit. And, again, I'm just giving information to the media and, and hoping they use it, hoping they get it out there. But once it comes from a third-party source, and, again, this it wasn't, was, you know, it was true information, you know, that he had a top 30 visit with both of those teams. And, again, once Ian was then, and then he kind of tweeted it out there, that helps snowball, you know, Trevor's ability then you know, to get drafted, you know, in the seventh round uh, that year four years ago. So I think that's, you know, a standpoint of, hey, you got to use the media to your advantage. But it's not like you can lie to them going, oh, well, hey, my player's, you know, going to have a top 30 visit here. He worked out for the Colts. And, you know, when it's not true, because once that insider, once that media member finds out you lied to him, now they're not going to believe you at all. But there's sometimes where you don't want to, you know, give the information, you know, to to the media, and you want to kind of hold it back, uh, and you know, there, and just again, but you're looking out for the best interest, you know, of your client. Uh, I think the other standpoint is that sometimes you do want to, you're trying to create a market in the free agency period, so sometimes you are leaking that, you know, again, it's true information, but you might say, well, yeah, the, the Raiders are looking at my guy. I did have a meeting with the the Rams, you know, about my guy there. Again, to try to create more of a robust, you know, market there, where the teams are always going to tell you, hey, please, you know, please keep this information confidential, you know, et cetera, there. But you know, again, it's sometimes you, you know, you're there, and maybe you're you're at a restaurant, at a bar, you know, at you know, down there at the combine, and you're you kind of let that slip, going, oh yeah, I was just meeting with the Raiders, you know. So uh, again, you're trying to create a market on a free agent standpoint there. Again. You can't. You're not giving misinformation, but sometimes you're giving more information than a than a club wants you to give out there. And sometimes you're keeping, you know, information, you know, kind of close to the vest there. But again, you're trying to do with the best interest of your client. Huh. So you're kind of like playing your cards in a way. Yeah. So take me through what the free agency process is like from an agent's perspective, and are the contract negotiations and the time from like. March 10th and the lead up till March 13th, 4 p.m., the new league year, really as intense as they seem? Well, like I said, I mean, this when you're when you're down in Indianapolis, again, you're not negotiating with clubs there, but you are just kind of figuring out, okay, hey, does the club have an interest in, in my client, yes or no? You know, I mean, that that is just, you know, you're just kind of, you know, gathering as much information, seeing what the market is going to be there. And then again, when you're putting together a, okay, if you're going to do a, whether it's a free agent deal or a renegotiating deal, you're going to, you're, what you're trying to do is you'll put comparables going, okay, hey, how does my client compare to uh, a player at his same position, kind of same age, 
and where you know in the top five or top ten or or kind of where you're projecting you know your client to be at there. So you're you know you're analyzing all of those contracts there. So you kind of know okay, hey, I know I've got these teams that are interested. I know this is kind of his market in terms of a value standpoint there. You know, so then when you do are able to get into those negotiating windows, you kind of know, okay, hey, this is what's going to take to sign them, and these are the reasons why. And you know, again, whether I have two teams that are interested or 20 teams that are interested, and then, you know, it kind of then filters itself out there, um, you know, with with the terms of, okay, hey, what, what are the clubs, you know, doing? Where do they prioritize, you know, your client in terms of, okay, the uh, Tier 1 free agent, the Tier 2, Tier 3, uh, in terms of their ranking system. And, again, how do you, uh, you and your client, how do they say, okay, hey, do I want to go to Buffalo or do I want to go to the Jets or do I want to go to the Rams in L.A.? Okay, how do I, you know, where do I put these teams in a, in a standpoint, in a tier standpoint there? And then, you know, it's the same thing when you have to start looking at even more of a deeper dive than, okay, hey, Okay, if, if all the money is the same, well, now we have to start looking at it on a tax standpoint. Okay, uh, the state of Texas has a zero state income tax, well, versus the state of California, where it's one of the higher state income tax there. You know, in terms of okay, how are we going to get the you know the money there? Same thing of okay, how is the you know the contract structured? Okay, is it more on a front loaded thing? Is it back loaded? Okay, how is our guarantees you know structured there? So. Again, just there's a lot of things to again try to filter that information, analyze it, do comparables there, uh, and you know at the end of the day to again try to get your client in the in the best possible money wise, situation wise there, and again, um, what scheme fit? Okay, if he's a you know a defensive lineman, okay, how does how does this team's scheme and this team's personnel fit with your client's skill set? So, shifting gears now a little more to the bigger NFL picture, who, in your opinion, are the biggest fish in this year's free agency? Well, I, you know, I think you look at um, Le'Veon Bell, um, obviously, you know, depending on what, you know, the uh, the Steelers are going to do, are they going to, you know, try to tag him, you know, there, is he going to be part of the free agent? I think, obviously, he's, you know, big time there. Then you got the quarterback situation. Again, is, is Tannehill uh, going to get released from the Dolphins? Is Joe Flacco going to get released from uh, the Ravens? What's going to go on with Nick Foles? Obviously, you know, those are, are big fish there. Same thing on a, on a terms of, you know, Golden Tate, probably the number one skill guy uh, in this year's free agency, you know, class. Is he going to go back to Philadelphia? Uh, you know, is somebody else going to be able to get him? And then on the defensive side of the ball, you look at uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Is he going to get franchised again? Uh, are the Cowboys going to be able to get a long-term, you know, deal with him? And, and a lot of these, you know, teams, you know, if you're a, a tier tier one guy, uh, you, you know, you're probably going to get, you know, franchised there, um, you know, if, if the team can, can afford that there. Just to, again, to control, you know, the interest there where they can kind of work on a, a long-term deal there. Um, and I know, obviously, you know, players, uh, you know, they, they're not fans of that, that franchise tag because it impedes kind of their ability to uh, get to the open market and see what, what their true you know, value is there. But, I mean, that's something that, you know, hey, we'll see in the new collective bargain agreement, you know, in the next couple of years. Is that something that the, the players want to, you know, get rid of and at what cost? You know, to them, um, you know, what does it happen there? But I think if you're looking at obviously Le'Veon Bell, Demarcus Lawrence, 
um, you know, are probably on offensive, defense, really, you know, kind of the uh, top tiers there. Um, then, then you're looking at, okay, what, what's the quarterback's going to, you know, going to do there, and how does that market shape up? You know, will these teams be able to trade, uh, you know, these these quarterbacks like a Flacco and a, and a Nick Foles, or will these guys hit the open market um, as free agents, or uh, like I said, a Flacco and a Tannehill, or the guys that they're going to uh, release them uh, because they're going to try to move on at the quarterback position. So you touched on the Le'Veon Bell situation. Um, what is your opinion on the mentality of some players in their camps to hold out? Well, again, every situation is different. It's got to be, okay, hey, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're an agent for a player, you've got to do what's the best interest for your client, um, and you've got to basically you know, present all the options you know, to the client, and they've got to make that decision. You work for, for that player there. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell's situation was, okay, hey, he was going to sit out and, and lose the, the amount of money he was going to lose because he feels that he can make that up, you know, in this next you know, round of negotiations. Now, again, that's a risk-reward standpoint there. Um, again, everybody's got to do what's in the best interest, you know, of themselves, what they feel is how it's going to work out there. And again, as an agent, really what your goal is is whether it's, uh, a free agent, whether it's a draft pick, whether it's a, a you know a guy who's going to undraft, you're trying to figure out what team you know for him to sign with. Again, you work for the player, but again, you've got to give that player all the scenarios and lay it out as best as you can, you know, to try to say, okay, hey, if this happens, then this could happen there. And again, it's it's about managing expectations, you know, for your client to be able to let them, you know, know that there. Obviously. You want to maximize the dollars for your client. That's what you're. That's what you're there for. There, um, and you, you know, you want the client to be able to have a good relationship you know, with the team. And again, that's why they hire agents so that they're not in the, the direct negotiating part of it. You, as the agent, are the bad guy, and you understand that when you're negotiating with the team. That okay, you want the player to okay. He doesn't have to worry about that. He when he goes and walks into. Uh, the locker room or on the practice field. It's just about playing football and doing that. And, you know, the, his representation, you know, is the bad guy. He's working with management, working with, you know, the front office. Okay, I'm trying to get, you know, uh, whether it's a renegotiation or a free agent for his deal there. Um, again, you've got to work in the best interest of your client. And, again, know that you've got to ultimately be the bad guy so your your player can ultimately good look, you know, be, be you know, be, be able to performing his best and save face, whether it's with the, with the coaching staff, whether it's with management, or ultimately, you know, the fans. And so you got to know that you got to take the heat sometimes for that. While we're talking about Pittsburgh, what are your thoughts on the whole Antonio Brown saga currently, and where, if you had to predict, do you think he could land? Well, I, you know, I think the standpoint of, you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, San Francisco, uh, and that would be a great fit for him. I think, you know, in regards to with Jimmy Garoppolo and with, you know, the second pick of the draft and, you know, some of their, their weapons that they've had there, you know, the tight end. Uh, we'll see with Jared McKinney what he does. You know, obviously, you know, they lost him for the whole season with an ACL. You know, he comes back there. Um, I think the standpoint, you know, again is, you know, he's got to make the, the best decision, you know, for him. And whether that is, hey, he doesn't like in Pittsburgh, there's maybe, you know, some – there, there in the uh, the locker room. Maybe there's some you know hard feelings between teammates 
et cetera, there, whatever it is. And I don't, you know, know, don't have any inside information on you know, what's going on there. But again, he's got to do what he thinks is best, you know, for him. And obviously that angers, you know, the Steelers fans there. But again, he's got to go to work every day and, and be in that environment. That's not something that he wants to be in. He's got a, he's got that right and that ability to say, okay, hey, I, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. And I, you know, I want to, you know, go somewhere else. And the same thing with the club. They feel like he's a guy who they got to move on and they got to move him there. The one thing we we all can agree on in regards to Antonio Brown is he's one of the you know best wide receivers to ever play the, the game. And, and it's you know a hard worker. as a guy who is a game changer there. And you know, hey, is he getting towards the the end of his career? Yes. You know, he's closer to the end of his career than he is at the beginning of his career, but he's still got some really good years left. Um, and so whether it's San Francisco, whether it's the Jets, you know, whether it's, you know, the Colts, you know, anybody that's got to kind of got that cap room to kind of suck that, that contract there and, and how it would structure there, uh, they, everybody would want to have him, you know, on their team. Because, again, he helps, he helps, you know, make plays. It helps the quarterback to really, you know, Succeed, and we've seen that over the years with him at that Loftusburger there. But again, I think I think if kind of reading the tea leaves and what's out there now, San Francisco kind of is what everybody kind of thinks that he'll end up out there in the Bay Area. Um, obviously, that he's not in the AFC. I think that's one thing the Steelers don't want to have him uh, be in. If they see him again, they want to see him in the Super Bowl, not in the AFC Championship game. Um, and again, sending me out to San Francisco uh, for draft picks, and they obviously have the cap for him to be able to absorb his contract, uh, to be able to, you know, keep him and not really screw up anything else what they've got going on there. And obviously they have a young quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. So shifting more back to the contract negotiation standpoint, where do you think the line is between tampering and off-the-record negotiations? I think when you go back to, you know, kind of the NFL combine, like we were talking about, in terms of if we're just talking about a hypothetical and just kind of giving, you know, ideas of, okay, this is what a client is looking for, you know, what kind of standpoint, you know, it would take in terms to get that, that player services. I think it's a, a lot different than when it comes to true, you know, pen to paper, and okay, this is the terms, this is the structure, this is the guaranteed dollars there. And really, everything we're talking about, you know, is just truly just hypothetical, because until it does really get pen to paper and where a client can sign it and it becomes binding, you know, it, it's nothing, you know, nothing more than smoke there. I think when you get to the, the tampering standpoint, you really, I think you find that more uh, with the NBA uh, and kind of how their contracts are structured, obviously, versus the NFL. We see guarantee versus non-guarantee. We see, uh, you know, obviously with the tampering, you know, charges, you know, with the, the Lakers, you know, with Paul George and different things like that there. We don't see it as much, you know, in the NFL because you're not talking about guys that, you know, uh, that are not under contract when you're kind of at the NFL combine. Everybody's, you know, going to be a free agent when the league year starts and, and everybody kind of, you know, it does, it doesn't think that, hey, that's a tampering, you know, charge there when you're just doing hypotheticals on a standpoint of a guy who's going to be a free agent at that uh, next couple of weeks when the free agency opens. So my final question for you, Justin, is what made you want to be an agent, and who is your favorite NFL team? Well, my favorite NFL team, I'm from Michigan. Um, I grew up a Detroit Lions fan, and yes, it's it's been long-suffering, you know, for, for many, <laughs> many years, you know, there. But I do, uh, you know, remember growing up and being young, uh, watching, you know, the great Hall of Famer, you know, running back Barry Sanders, 
uh, Herman Moore, uh, Scott Mitchell as the quarterback, you know, uh, Charlie Batch, you know, et cetera there. And I think the standpoint is just trying to always, you know, be involved in the NFL. Uh, you know, um, I think that was that's always been my goal. I mean, I've always loved the NFL draft, the NFL draft process. You know, there I've you know been involved, like I said, you know before, you know, uh, being on a player player personnel side with the Texas First Nation game for a number of years. I've done a lot of different things, you know, in the football business. You know, from scouting, um, player evaluation, you know, working in the media, um, and obviously representing you know players. So it's always been my goal to, you know, be involved, you know, in the game, you know, some way. Uh, and, and really, I think when you're coming down to it, you're helping guys, uh, especially when they're guys who aren't, you know, household names, guys who are, you know, undrafted, you know, have to take the hard road. You know, you're really trying to help those guys and kind of fulfilling those dreams. And one thing, you, you get a sense of accomplishment where you can help those guys, you know, reach, you know, reach their dreams. Again, if it's if, if it's not a guy who's a first-round pick, if it's a, you know, an undrafted guy, a guy like Jeff Heath, who's, you know, six years ago came out of a small school in the Saginaw Valley, or Tavier Thomas last year coming out of Ferris and getting released uh, after a training camp and it, with the Arizona Cardinals. And then, hey, the Cleveland Browns claim him, and he was on the 53-man roster the whole season. Um, you know, really kind of helped them, you know, turn that around, you know, playing, you know, great special teams there. Or to Garrett Griffin catching a touchdown pass in the NFC Championship, a guy who, again, was an undrafted guy. Didn't even want him a, a guy who... Uh, was signed as an undrafted, you know, free agent, had a trial for the Kansas City Chiefs, then tried out for the Saints, you know, and then was been on the practice squad for three years and then, you know, gets called up there. I think those become, you know, satisfactions and, and, and really kind of motivation to really, again, help guys live their dream and, again, keep involved in the NFL and, again, try to help, uh, you know, future generations, you know, keep, keep this game growing and, and strong and uh, because it's always been a passion, uh, you know, kind of a mind from, you know, when I was really, really young, uh, even now, it, it hasn't it hasn't changed. You know, since since I was you know growing up, you know, rooting and watching, you know, Barry Sanders do his thing at the Pontiac Silverdome. That's the mentality to have. That's an awesome thought process, and I definitely feel you about the Lions struggling. I've had to grow up with the Jets struggling. <laughs> um, Justin, I want to thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I hope you have a lot of success this uh, draft season, off season. And uh, thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come onto the podcast. Hey, no problem. If you ever have any uh, needs or want to talk more, I'm always available. Have, have a good one. We'll talk soon. Thanks. You too. Bye. Once again, I want to thank Justin Van Fulpen for coming onto the podcast. And I wanted to let everyone know the Ambitious Podcast is now available on Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, the Anchor app. I'll see you guys next Saturday for a brand new episode.